0: welcome to dog save the people a podcast about how dogs make our lives better my name is john bartlett and i'm your host elizabeth lowe is an award-winning non-fiction filmmaker born and raised in hong kong she attended nyu tisch school of the arts and stanford university as a director cinematographer and editor she is interested in finding new aesthetic ways of exploring the boundaries between species class, and unequal states of personhood. Elizabeth's work includes short films like Hotel 22, Treasure Island, and Mother's Day. Her debut feature film, Stray, follows three stray dogs in Istanbul and explores how they live and interact without a singular owner, but rather a community of people who look out for them and with relationships across the city. Elizabeth, thank you so much for joining us today at Dog Save the People. Where are we speaking to you from?
1: Right now, I'm in Hong Kong, but usually I'm based in Los Angeles.
0: Now, you are from Hong Kong originally.
1: Yeah, I am.
0: Wonderful. Growing up, what was your relationship with dogs in particular?
1: I don't know if it's something that you're born with, but I was obsessed with dogs growing up and uh, <laughs> I begged my parents for a dog every year of my life until they finally gave me one. Yeah. And his name was Mikey and he was a Shetland Sheepdog. I lost him when I was in college. Okay. I was studying in the United States at the time and he was still in Hong Kong with my family. So I wasn't able to fly back to Hong Kong to be with him.
0: Mm you know, it's interesting because I was also in college when I lost my childhood pet. And in those days, it's weird because, I i mean, my love for animals and dogs, it was something that sort of accumulated uh, over the years. But I remember being sad, but it wasn't like it didn't like hit me in the way that it does now when I, when I lose a pet.
1: I remember at the time, my parents didn't want me to sort of lose focus of my studies, so they didn't... Mm sort of tell me that he was gonna die oh boy I also think I relate a lot to how you probably felt where it didn't hit you in the way that it probably should have and I don't know if that's a question of youth and it's oblivion but I also think maybe there was a suppression of that grief because society is telling you that the death of a dog is not the same as the death of A human family member, even though, you know, you spend equal amounts of time, if not more intensity, with that dog. And so I think that suppression of grief and the guilt and shame of feeling like my sort of reaction to his death was informed by a hierarchy that defined him as lesser, which I knew to not be true, I guess that's what led me to want to make this film.
0: Yeah. When we lose our pet, a lot of people who don't have dogs or don't have pets, they don't really understand this sense of loss. The fact that this has inspired you to create this film, uh, it's such a legacy to to Mikey, and and it sounds like an incredible learning journey. Mm -hmm. So the film is based in Istanbul, And can you tell me a little bit about how you landed in Istanbul and what it is about their particular culture with dogs that drew you there?
1: Yeah, originally I wanted the film to be a cultural study of how the status of a single species like a dog can change so much depending on what cultural context that dog is in to sort of poke holes at how arbitrary these Definitions of what the status of a, of a species can be to sort of tear it down by exploring their status in different countries. But I came across Turkey's history with dogs where in 1910, dogs thrived under the Ottoman Empire, stray dogs. And there was a British diplomat who came to Istanbul and was chased by a pack of dogs and fell to his own death. And so in retaliation, the British government forced the Turkish one to round up all of their stray animals and banish them to an island where they starved to death. And after that happened, huge fires broke out in the city with no dogs to warn the people about them. And then World War One happened. And so Turkish people saw the exiling of the dogs as a curse on Turkey and the country. And so what felt like a spiritual connection to me has stayed with the people so that in the last hundred years, even as the government had tried to you know, get rid of the dogs in this attempt to you know, conform to Western standards of what an ideal city is like, people protested against these mass killings and they've passed incredible laws where they can't kill them and they can't even hold them in captivity. They're allowed to roam freely. And I was so struck by that story. It took me there. And it kind of upended completely my ideas around dogs, our relationships to them, and made me question, you know, what is really the humane way to be with animals. What I saw with the dogs in Istanbul is that they have all these relationships throughout the city with people, strangers who are nice to them in a way that feels so healthy. And those dogs feel so fully actualized as beings completely individualized, living life on their own terms, never hungry because everybody is so generous. So that really transformed my ideas about what kind of society I would like to live in, in terms of our relationship with dogs and what dogs deserve.
0: What I get from your experience is that this idea of caring for the animals, caring for the dogs, but caring for these, for these dogs that are living among the people, but on the street, It really enriches the soul of that culture of those people in a way that I don't think Americans in particular could necessarily relate to.
1: What I've realized is that it's actually crazy that somehow in the West we've managed to make any other relationship to have with a dog immoral unless it's one that falls within a pet ownership paradigm. That, oh, if they're not owned, then you're being immoral in relating to dogs as free agents in the world, which is an insane concept that somehow we've gotten to this place. Like in Hong Kong, Mm. we have a lot of wild boars that, you know, roam through the city and some people see it as a problem and others, you know, love the boars and they feed them. And I think there's a great capacity in any culture for that kind of generosity. Yeah. And I think if governments, if there was enough will on the part of the people in the same way that in Turkey, they fought against their governments for the rights of dogs, that most people would want to share, you know, set out kibble for stray animals. Lots of people feed raccoons and, you know, in their backyards. It's just part of being human to have compassion and to want to share and to have this altruism in your daily life. And the fact that our streets are emptied of Stray dogs is actually a very poor reflection of our, our cultures as it relates to dogs.
0: Yeah, so
1: interesting. I felt so sad that I came from a culture that had turned its back on the idea that dogs can roam freely among us and that should have the right to do that. I feel like we're all missing out.
0: I love how they respect and care for these dogs communally and it's not individually and that this really is like an alternative vision for how we can live as a society. I spent a lot of time in India and in New Delhi where I was working, there were dogs everywhere. And every morning I would walk in the park and exercise. And there were so many dogs that were living their life in this park and they had a great life. And Thailand, I, I had the same experience Yeah. anyway. So I'd like to talk to you about the three dogs that you feature that you met in your film. Tell me about them.
1: They're Zayton, who is this, really mutt-looking dog. Sort of, I can't define what species, what, what breed she is. And she's really independent. She's sort of like the leading star of the film. Yeah. She takes us on all these adventures throughout Istanbul. And then there's Nazar, her sort of companion, who's kind of a bee character, really intelligent, smart, has this really close relationship with these young Syrian men who are living on the streets with the dogs. And then there's Kartal, this little black and white puppy who comes into the lives of Zaytan and Nazar through the young men. And and you see sort of the journey that the three dogs sort of go on.
0: Wow. And you filmed this from their point of view.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was really important for the film technically to at least try to embody their perspective, at least see things from their height instead of ours, because I wanted audiences to be able to be transported into You know, seventy-two minutes of imagining what life looks like from a dog's perspective, especially these dogs who are free and whose every decision is their own. And so it was really interesting, almost the opposite of anthropology, looking at these dogs and being able to like look and just observe what do dogs do? What does Zaytan decide to do when she's not beholden to anyone? throughout a city and so it was really fascinating for me as a filmmaker to be there with them crouched low with my camera on its stabilizer trying to keep up with them um, throughout their day and hopefully you know transport audiences into a different mode of thinking that's somewhere between being human and dog
0: oh I love it and sometimes when I'm walking with my dogs I try to imagine the world through their eyes, which again is, is a magnificent, I believe a magnificent place to be because they're seeing the world without the judgment, without the sense of urgency and without this whole idea of, of living in the future or in the past, they're like right in the moment, Mm -hmm. there's so much to learn from them. So what is it that you feel you took away from spending the time and, and documenting the lives of these three dogs?
1: I think what I realized, what I was most in awe of was, of course, not just their ingenuity, that they had learned to navigate traffic and yeah. they had learned where to find food on their own, and that they learned how to read the cues of people around them to not offend the human citizens and, and also the dogs around them, and, and that they had friends. You could tell who were the familiar faces and who weren't even in other dogs. Right. Right. But I think what struck me the most was that as a filmmaker filming with these dogs, I realized I thought I was observing Zayton the whole time throughout filming. But actually, there were so many moments in the film as I was editing it that I realized she was hyper aware of my presence and my desires, even though I thought I was suppressing them. And and she, in some ways, maybe was performing for the camera Mm. when I didn't even realize it. And so she was just so sensitive to my emotions, like sometimes when people were bothering me during production and I didn't want them to be bothering me, yeah. but I was still trying to be polite to them. She would sense that and she would get up and start barking at those people mm-hmm. without me ever asking her, without me even assuming we had that kind of relationship. It
0: is an incredible bond that that we've created mutually between the two sentient species unlike i think any any other because we've kind of evolved together
1: dogs are just so sensitive they can read our every emotion better than we can almost
0: now i imagine that you learned a lot also from the dogs just because they living their lives as strays they have such a again a sense of wonder freedom they don't have a plan now has that inspired you in your life and and as, as far as how you live your life now
1: I mean, certainly in the production, we had to yield to their planlessness and how everything was dictated by their whims. And I think I found it very beautiful that dogs, you know, stray dogs didn't participate in a working economy. You know, they don't contribute to society in a concrete way. They feed off of trash and they don't work. They're not owned property and they don't do anything throughout the day except take themselves on hours long walks and adventures you know just for the sake of walking and just for the sake of curiosity or playfulness yeah. and 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 also finding food sure and to me that's so beautiful and in terms of my own life i think my personality probably is sort of like those stray dogs in right. some way and which is probably why I love making a film where there's no plan where everything is just reacting to what's happening in front of the camera and oh. there's no producing involved like I love that kind of I I enjoy that my personality enjoys that which is probably why I gravitated towards this topic I'm working on my next feature-length documentary I'm trying to find other topics that lend yes. themselves to the joy of the way stray dogs move through the world oh.
0: I love it. And it's interesting because, again, I think that we, uh, again, Westerners, but in general, humans, we're always trying to control our environments. And that's gotten us into terrible trouble over and over and over again. And just to be able to learn from nature, to really be able to accept and learn from nature, instead of just saying, oh, you know, I love animals. There are teachers.
1: Yeah, completely.
0: So now how can we watch the film and uh, how can we find you in the world of social media? Where do we find you?
1: You can watch the film. It's playing in virtual cinemas across the U.S. And you can find out which cinemas by going to www.straymovie.com. And then you can also rent it on all the video on demand platforms like iTunes, Google Play, YouTube, Amazon. Great. For social media, you can follow at Stray Doc Film. If you watch Stray with your dog and you document your dog reacting to the street dogs on the television, yeah, we would love it if you tagged at Stray Doc Film and and hashtag Stray Watch Party. It's a campaign we're trying to start so that we can share all the experiences of dogs reacting to street dogs.
0: Oh, I love it. I have three dogs at home, but one is a three-legged chihuahua who basically sits and watches TV with me. So Rudy and I will watch together.
1: I, I would love to hear what you think of it.
0: Yes. All right, Elizabeth, thank you again, and we will be in touch. Thank you. I really enjoyed speaking with Elizabeth and hearing about her experience in an environment so different from what we know in the Western world with how humans and dogs interact. I'm sure people here have different opinions on the concept of dogs living freely within a community, but there are parts of the world where this is normal and we shouldn't jump to conclusions or pass judgment on this style of community dog companions. And I also related very much to this idea of dogs living freely, having spent so much time in India and in Thailand, dogs there are living really among the people, but many of them are not pets. They're being taken care of by people They're living in the parks, but they're living their own lives and really gave me a lot to think about. Really just about this idea of pets and dogs living out in the wild or living in a community and really what all those things look like and mean to me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dog Save the People, a podcast about how dogs make our lives better. This show is a production of As It Should Be, a content studio. It is made with the support of executive producer Scott Benaglio and our producer and editor Jack Summer. Special thanks to our composer and neighbor Daniel Lampert for creating the music for the show. You can subscribe to Dog Save the People on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the show, please subscribe and leave a review or rating. You can also follow us on social media on Instagram at Dog Save the People, Facebook at Dog Save the People Podcast, and Twitter at Dog Save the PPL. We have a new gift shop on the dogsavethepeople.com website with our first line of show merchandise that includes super soft t-shirts. We are also happy to say that the shirts from the Tiny Tim Rescue Fund, my foundation, have also been added to the dogsavethepeople.com gift shop. Profits from these t-shirts will be going to support independent rescues and shelters. If you have any questions or submissions, you can reach out to us on our website or on social media or email us at dogsavethepeople at gmail.com. New episodes come out every other Tuesday, so see you next week for another episode from Dog Save the People.